I want to just jump in straight away. And um, I'm reading from Acts chapter 3 today. Acts, by the way, when you hear about the book of Acts, Acts, by the way, just means, or is just short for actions. The actions or the Acts of the Apostles. It's a book about all the stuff they did, all the stuff they put their hand to. And uh, it really describes the beginning and the formation of the early church, the beginnings of the early church. And I'm, I, I'm going to be reading a good portion of uh, Scripture today to start with, because one, I want us to get the context of what I'm uh, talking uh, about. And two, I'm going to set the scene for what I want to uh, share and three, hey, it, this is church, and how many think it's good to read scripture in uh, church? I think it's a good thing. In fact, uh, the apostle Paul told his young pastor Timothy that he wants uh, that this is a good practice, the public reading of scripture. In fact, he tells him to devote himself uh, to it. And plus, a lot of what I'm reading today just just is just good gospel from the book of Acts as the church was beginning and, and, and forming. And of course, last week, uh, we were in Acts uh, chapters 1 and 2, uh, talking about Pentecost. And thank you to all those who came down to Tarbell. Wasn't that awesome? Just to get that started. Wow, that was so exciting. And um, again, if you're looking for an evening service, you can head down there on the uh, uh, link highway that we've built for the Connect Link uh, road down uh, to there. So last week, of course, we were in Acts chapter 1 and 2, Pentecost, and so we're carrying on that theme today. So this is Acts chapter 3. So this is really about what happens next. And it says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray, or up to the temple for a time of prayer. They were heading to a prayer Meeting Now, a man who was lame from birth, and the scriptures later on tell us he, he had been lame for 40 years. He was obviously 40 years old, and for 40 years he had been lame. A man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him As did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Silver or gold, I do not have. I I, I love the King James Version. It says, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They knew who he was. They knew what had happened. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place which is called Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Portico or Solomon's uh, Porch. And then it says this in verse 12. It says, Peter saw his opportunity. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if 
by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Now, it's obvious at this point that Peter has not read how to win friends and influence uh, people by Dale Carnegie. It is just not part of it. I mean, he's going straight for the jugular, um, jugular here. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Somebody say, amen, amen. God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 14, but this is how, sorry, verse 18, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his, that, that his Messiah would suffer, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. Friends, sometimes we look at repentance as like a big heavy. You've got to understand if you're looking for a way for your sins to be wiped out, if you're here today and you've just wandered into church and you go, man, how can I be made whole? How can I be made clean? I want to tell you, repent. Repent, why? That your sins, repent isn't a heaven, it's a turning towards God. It allows for your sins to be wiped out. Listen, for, for wife, that, that times of refreshing would come. You're looking to be refreshed. You can't live in sin and think your life's just gonna work out. You, we need those times of refreshing to come. Somebody say amen, amen. in the church. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now Peter carries on preaching hard out here. A huge crowd is gathered and is gathering and it's getting bigger by the minute. News is spreading. This attracts the attention of the Jewish authorities. And now we're into chapter four. The priests and the captain of the, of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. And then it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, but many, everybody say many, but many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. You know, when we read verses in isolation, we can miss the bigger picture of what's happening here. But what I, what I love about these few verses that we've just read out today is they capture the incredible momentum of this miracle moment. Let's look at a basic timeline of the events. Five things. It starts with first, Peter and John were just going about their day on their way to pray. The second thing that happens, they meet a man in need of a miracle. Silver or gold, I do not have. Silver or gold, have I none, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then the third thing that happens from this is the lame man, boom, he's healed. Miraculously healed in that moment. And of course, this would be a good place to stop and just, just keep it there. I mean, why not? It's amazing. It's incredible what happened in that moment. But here's the thing about this passage. The miracle doesn't stop there. 
The miracle doesn't stop there. No, it continues. It doesn't only continue, it compounds, it grows, it gets, it grows, slows, gets bigger. Why? Because the fourth thing that happens in this is that, that this miracle opens an opportunity. The miracle then opens an opportunity for Peter to preach uh, to some people. Uh, multitudes are running from everywhere to Solomon's colonnade. People do not know. Scholars do not know. or they, they, they do a lot of guesswork around where is the gate called beautiful. They don't know exactly where it is, but they do know where Solomon's colonnade is. They do know where that is. And multitudes are running from everywhere to Solomon's colonnade. And it ends with this. Peter preaching, number five, Peter preaching powerfully to the gospel, preaching powerfully the gospel to the multitudes gathered. And when he was done, literally thousands of people, remember Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church. On this day, 2,000 were added to the church, making a total of 5,000 people whose lives and destiny had changed for eternity. So this was a big moment. This was, this, this was disruptive to the status quo. It was disruptive to the powers that be. But here's the thing. What amazes me about all of this, the momentum of this moment, the, the thousand saved, a lame man healed. The momentum, what amazes me is that the momentum of this moment began because of something Peter and John did not have, not because of something they did have. This, this, this miracle moment began because of something Peter and John did not have, something they lacked. Peter has said, silver and gold I do not have. Silver and gold have I none. I don't know how your brain works. This is how my brain works as I was reading this and there's many angles you can take for this passage but this week as I was processing this I started thinking what would have actually happened what would have happened if Peter and John instead of having having none had some what 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 would have taken place have you ever wondered what would have happened in that moment if Peter and John had some instead of none if Peter perhaps had some pennies in his pocket or, or, or John had a small stash of petty cash. Or what would have happened if, he, if they had had some instead of none? I, I mean, I, I think it would have been easier to give, right? I mean, it would have been easier just to, if you got some pennies in your pockets, a, a, a stash of cash, uh, just, it would have been easier to give in that moment. It just would be. You know, when we lived in India, we were constantly hounded by beggars. If you've ever been to India, if you've any sp ever spent any time in India, you know if you go out into the city streets, beggars are just a part of life there. And we, many times we'd go out in the time we lived there, probably even today, many times we were, we, we were hounded by beggars. It's just a part of life. And and I want to be honest, actually, from the moment you arrive at the airport, people are coming after you. And I've got to be honest, many times you just get immune to it. You just get, I lived there for 11 years, you just get, you get immune to it. And it's easier just to, just to give, just being honest, I'm just passing, I'm just being honest. It's easier to give and get rid of the beggars. Just give and get rid of them. Because you've got to understand, it's not like they're approaching you saying, excuse me, sir, do you have a coin? 
That's not how it goes. Beggars, when they, when they accost you, when they approach you, they can be aggressive. They can bang on windows. They, can, they, they, they grab you. They, they, they're, thinking, they're wanting to freak you out. And so they'll grab you. They'll, 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 they'll pull you. They'll yell at you. I mean, you might go, oh, here's, here's 10 rupees. And they're like, hey, that's all? 10 rupees? Give me 20. They'll throw the money back at you. They'll, gra- they'll grab you. I remember walking through a railway station. I'm like, leave me alone. One kid jumped onto my leg, and I was walking through the railway station <laughs> with the kid on my legs. I mean, it can get really, really aggressive. I've had to run for my life one time. It was just in a, in a town called Lanavlo. I, I, all these kids were, were, were chasing me, and I was like trying to be nice. I thought I took a, a, a hundred rupee note, which is like a hundred dollars. This is like stupid, man. I, and I, 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 I said to the guys, and of course, how stupid is this? He doesn't speak English. And so I said, here's 100 rupees, split it. <laughs> he didn't split it. He just split. He was just gone. And then I literally had to run for my life because everyone thought, he's giving 100 rupees to everybody. Come on. And I, I had to run to a restaurant and lock myself in there. But you don't even know whether things are legit. You know, is it a scam? I mean, Anita's been scammed. The shoebox guy, I've told that. We're on the streets. Yes, yes. She's on the street and this, this boy comes up and, you know, he's begging and she's like, well, you know what, madam, if you're going to help me, please, if you can just buy me a shoebox, I want to work. I don't want to beg. I, I want to work. Give me a shoebox. And Anita's going all Confucius on me, you know, you know that, you know, give a man a fish, he eats for the day, teach a man a fish, he, he eats for a, a lifetime. So she's like, let's buy him a, the shoebox and get him set up to do business. He's a young entrepreneur. And so we go and we get to this place where they sell these boxes and we're paying a ton of money to, to, to get the shoebox. And then we're like, let's fill it up with all the polish and all the rags and all the stuff. And everything. we're setting this guy up for life. Anyway, he comes back, we come back, we set him up. He's watching cricket through, through the window of a shop. We're like, come on, let's get going. He's like, later, later. You know, later on that night, we're driving past. What was he doing? He'd taken the shoebox back to his mate, put it back there, and they were reselling that shoebox to the next stupid foreigners who were coming, uh, coming along. Because that dude is entrepreneur of the year. I want to tell you, he's like, you know, we're thinking, oh man, we've set him up. He's just reselling the same shoebox over and over and over again. And so you never, you never know, is, is it scammed or is it legit? And then of course you, you, you do have those who are, who are genuinely uh, um, suffering and lepers and, 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 and deformed uh, people. I mean, there's some, look, I just got to be honest, there, there's some beggars with great attitudes, yeah. great attitudes. There's a guy who used to sit outside a shop called Wonderland and he was on a trolley and he was only about this high. His legs were all just like little skinny lines and he was about this high sitting on the trolley and, 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 and he was always happy. He was always smiling. Hello, he never asked for anything actually. He was just always smiling. In fact, he could do a TED talk on adversity, keeping a great attitude through adversity. And so within all of this, listen, all I'm saying is this, it's sometimes just way easier to give and get rid. Give and get rid. But you see, Paul and John had none. What would have happened if they had some? What if they had some pennies in their pocket? I mean, we, 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 of course, we can only speculate what would have happened. If they had had some pennies in the pocket, they, they could have easily have given what the lame man wanted, not what the lame man needed. 
And if they did have some instead of none, I think what would have happened is we wouldn't be talking about it today. We wouldn't be talking about it or reading about it some 2,000 years later. Why? Because it was nice but not noteworthy. Giving them some coin would have been nice. It would have been nice but not noteworthy. If Peter and John had, had some pennies in their pocket, if Peter and John had some, some instead of none, we, we, we'd have, what would we have? And, and they were just, it was just easier to give. I tell you, we'd have no miracle, no lives changed, no people saved, no, no lame man standing, no thousands gathered. If they had some instead of none, it would have been a nice momentary but unremarkable gesture. The man would have had some money for Maccas. For that night, he would have had some money for Maccas, but he would have missed out on a miracle. So what can we learn? Simply this, the fact that I do not have, that you do not have something, does not hinder what God can do in and through you. In fact, by, by, by having something, if they'd have had some instead of none, it, 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 it would have prevented the miracle. Yeah. Uh, maybe not prevented it, but it made it, it made it, in a sense, less possible because sometimes we rely on what we, on the sum that we have. But see, see, see when I look at this, it was their lack it was what they did not have that began this miracle momentum. In fact, their lack was what caused them to rely on Jesus. And isn't that true of our own life? Sometimes that's the lack. We think, oh, if I had this and I had that. But it was their lack, what they did not have that caused them to rely on Jesus. When we don't have, what, listen, when we don't have, we go to Jesus. When we don't have, it makes it easier for us to, 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 to move towards the cross. This is why, why I think in our Western world, we, we have so much that we don't go to Jesus. But it's their lack that caused them to rely on Jesus. See, the fact that you do not have does not hinder, you've got to know this today, does not hinder what God can do in and through you. Thank you, Sophia. That's preach it in baby language. People say, if only I had more resources, if only I, uh, then I could reach more, I could do more, if only, uh, but I do not have. So I can't do that, I can't change that. If only I had that job, if only I had that ministry, if only I had that house, if only I had that uh, uh, relationship, if only I had that car, if only I had that missing piece, whatever that missing piece, piece is, if only I had some instead of none, then God could really use me. Friends, I want to tell you, God uses us in our lack Here, God uses them because of what they don't have. Because when you don't have it, all you have is Jesus.
Your lack, what we don't have, does not limit what God can do in and through you. Your lack doesn't limit the limitless God. What you don't have doesn't hinder. Peter and John's lack, the fact that they had none, was the very thing that created the opportunity. It was the very thing that created the opportunity for them to rely on God and then for him to move in and through their lives in power. The very fact that they had nothing opened up an opportunity for God to do something. Friends, when we have nothing, God can do something. If they'd have had something, I, I, I don't know, I, I think we wouldn't be reading about it today. Stop seeing your lack as a limit, but like Peter and John, start to look for God opportunities in it. Start to believe Jesus for opportunities in it. I love the fact that God does something with nothing. Reminds you of the loaves and the fishes, you know that. They're like, feed, feed the multitude and like, how are we going to do this? Oh, we've got two loaves and, two, and, 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 and five fish. And he's like, what's in your hand? Well, well we, 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 we just, listen, whatever you have in your hand, when Jesus blesses it, it can feed a multitude. You can, you can see many lives. But here in this case, they have, they have none. God can even take the nothing of our lives and do something powerful through it when we trust him in the middle of it. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So you might be here today and you go, I have none. I have none, but what you do have is some Jesus. I mean, you have some Jesus. You have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have the everlasting God. You have the, the, the image of the invisible God in whose name the lame walk, in whose name we, we, we've, we've been speaking, in whose name the sick are healed, in whose name the lost are saved. We, I mean, we might have none of that, but we've got some Jesus who they all, come on somebody, we, we, have, we have him at work. Stop saying, I, I, I have none. You, you have him. I pray like Peter and John that you understand that your lack doesn't limit the limitless God. That in your life and whatever it is that God can do in and through. Oh God, I just can't. We can't do that. No, no, no. Your lack does not let what you don't have doesn't let. It can provide the very opportunity. I pray like Peter and John that you understand your lack doesn't limit the limitless God. And in your life, what you do have is Jesus. And this Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, his power that works in us. 1 John 4 verse 4 tells us, reminds us, oh, we used to quote this back in the day when I got saved. Greater is he 
Come on, you know it. Help me out. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What do I have? What do you have? You have a name. The name that is above every other name. Jesus. You have Jesus. And my challenge to us today is to stop looking at what you don't have and realize who you do have. Stop looking at what you don't have and realize who you do have. Their lack created an opportunity rather than limited. It provided the momentum for a lame man's miracle that led to a massive multitude getting saved, numbering 5,000. It's not what, it's who. Of course, as we close, there is a small issue of Peter and John being arrested and put in jail. But don't worry, it was their first time, but it was surely not going to be their last. In fact, it ends up that they wanted to kill them. So disruptive was this gospel. But here's what you've got to know. The momentum of that miracle moment didn't stop where I stopped reading. In fact, it continued and compounded. Yes, they were arrested, but it tells us the next day they were brought before the authorities. The miracle continues. And they asked the rulers, the chief priests and so on, they asked, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost, people. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, went on to say, know this, you and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And then he says this in Acts chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Salvation is found. Friend, today if you're looking for salvation, if you're looking, where can I find, where can I get right? Salvation is found in, oh, this is just good gospel right here. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then it goes on to say this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unskilled, ordinary men, just like you and I, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What makes the difference? Not what you do or don't have, it's the fact that you have Jesus. We have Jesus. It says, since they could see the man who had been healed standing with them, there was nothing they could do. It's not what you don't have. It's who you do have. Jesus. Sometimes when we have, 
We trust in what we have. We tr- that's where we, I mean, it's just easier because we can rely on what we have. But when you have none, God can do some. What I love about this is if you keep on reading the book of Acts, the momentum continues. It goes on to tell us the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Again, they just started doing meetings in that same place, meeting after daily meetings, meeting after meeting, no one else. I mean, they freaked the people out so so much as no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, the people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns in Jerusalem. So they weren't just coming from the temple. They were coming from towns now and, 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 and bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed. The momentum of the miracle continued. Stop seeing your lack as a limit. Start to believe for Jesus to provide opportunities in it. Would you stand? And I want you, if you please, and if you're uncomfortable with it, just tell the person next to you. But I want us to just lightly place our hands on the person's shoulder next next to us and or behind us or wherever we're out just find somebody and I just want to come off right now and just I want to pray I believe in the priesthood of believers and so right now in this place Father God I pray right now in the name of Jesus Father God for a fresh anointing for a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost Father God, that in our lives, Father, where we've been looking at what we don't have, looking at our lack, or maybe even relying on what we do have. Maybe even relying on what we do have. Silver and gold, have we some? Yet we can't say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. We pray today. We thank you that we will not allow our lack to limit the limitless God. Today we pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. Father God, for every person in this place today, for every person in this place today, Father God, we pray the fresh power and fire of the Holy Ghost, a fresh anointing that we'd be able to do the works of God. Wherever we've seen lack, wherever we've seen limit, Wherever we've seen things that we today know and understand that no lack we have will limit what God is going to do in and through our lives. So we stand here today as the priesthood of believers saying, God, use us to reach this city. Use us to reach our workplace. Use us to make a difference. To see people healed and made whole. This we ask in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.